Hello. Hey. What's I'm up? just setting up. My, my headphones are just. These are brand new. I've never actually done a Skype call before, so. Um, it it sounds good. Uh, well, welcome okay. to the show. Oh, sorry. Is, am I on the show right now? <laughs> yep. Sure. It's it's an awesome introduction. Um, it's, it's unique, so that's good. Um, okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So um, yeah. How about you introduce yourself? Okay, well, I'm Matthew Doucette of Zona Games, and Zona Games is a indie game studio. There's just two of us. It's me and my brother, Jason Doucette. Okay, and yeah, um, yeah so what kind of games do you focus on, specifically? Um, like we focus on nostalgic game concepts, like retro games, like the concepts found in, in, old, in old school games. And we add like modern day technology intensity and gameplay to those concepts. Uh, can you give an example of um, yeah the whole process then behind what you're talking about? Um, well, I doesn't really. I guess it starts out from when Jason and I were really young. Uh, when we first were into video games, even making them was when we were about uh, seven years old, and we all the games these games would have been, you know, like late seven, well actually early eighties, early eighty games, um, and we wanted to make the, the best games that were out there, but we couldn't because we were just kids and we didn't have very good equipment and skill sets and stuff like that. So there's a lot of games in there back from our childhood that we wanted to make, and now we have the ability to make them. So I think there's just like an affinity, we have an affinity for those games from our childhood. Um, you mentioned uh, making games at seven years old. Uh, what, what, games, <laughs> what games did you try to make? And um, yeah, what what platform did you use to, to make them on? Okay, well, the platform was a Texas Instrument. It was a TI-99-4A. It's a Texas Instrument home computer. It would have competed with, like, a VIC-20. It would have been, it would have predated, like, the Commodore 64. It was very, it wasn't very powerful. It came with, like, built-in TI Basic. It was just, you know, the, you know, 10 print high, 20 go to 10 type stuff, right? And uh, the games we made were basically... Um, remakes of like Pac-Man, remakes of actually Space Invaders was a, was actually a game we wanted to remake a little bit better, which is funny because we've done that now. But that was actually impossible for us to do at the time; it was too complicated. So to give an idea of what we could do back then. Yeah. Um. Okay. So so you decide to to make uh, cool games on this um, TI system. Um. What? First of all, how did you even get the concept or understanding that that you could make these games like what you know uh, compared to most kids which are just like oh we'll just play games what inspired you to say we can make it i think it started out i think we had a local radio shack at the time and this is before we owned our own computer we were probably grade two maybe grade one but probably by grade two we definitely would visit radio shack we were just we just loved the, uh, computer technology, especially graphics, anything to do with computer graphics. And we started coding on the machines at the store. And <laughs> something to do with the coding process, uh, it wasn't just games, it was also the ability to program the machine. Every, that stuff was new back then. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even our school, our parents and our schooling system didn't recognize or even understand that stuff back then. And so it was, it's, it's partly our affinity for technology and, and programming. We were also, Jason and I back in the day, back then we were really into, we were 
we were sort of artists back then. We kind of lost that ability, but the mix between the our, our artwork and graphics, computer graphics, kind of just mixed in together with video games. So it came from a bunch of different angles, I think. Um, how long did it take, or what? So what was the first game uh, that you did? Uh, complete and how long did it take? <laughs> okay, well, not counting all the little projects because that would be hundreds probably. Okay. I remember I made a game called Treasure Hunt, <laughs> uh, and this game was basically a Pac-Man clone. It was the first time I remember this. It was the first time I had the ability to read the screen, not just draw to it, but read what was there, uh, which was revolutionary at the point at that point in time because now I could detect whether my character would run into a wall, so I could confine him to a maze, as opposed to the games okay. before you could just go everywhere on the screen. It's it's it was it's amazing to think back at the, on those times, really. Yeah, I mean that's that's exciting. Um, yeah, it were was. You, yeah, were you? Um, I mean, did you share any of these games with your friends and stuff like that, or only if two close friends? Besides for okay. Jason, only two close friends because back then we would just been made fun of. Honestly, okay. yeah, uh, what, it would have been. You, what did your two close friends say? Were they playing it? Were they like, "Awesome, I can save money on buying games," or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, our games weren't that good. So. They were pretty honest. With it. If they liked it, they played it. But they they definitely played the better games more. There's no question. Yeah. <laughs> um. And so, how did it feel working with your brother on this? Um. You know, were there any issues or any challenges at that point? Um. Back then, you mean? Yeah. Um. Back. Well, besides, we're twin brothers. We're brothers. Uh, there's always the typical arguments and stuff that take place or whatever. But uh, in terms of actually developing, I think it helped a lot having both of us each kind of trying to push the our limits and seeing what each other can do. Okay. okay. Um, you know what I mean? That's, like, no, no, that's, yeah. yeah, and it's exciting because you, you, you have like a partner that's kind of committed, you know, and... Um, that's right. Uh, okay, so, so you go through this whole phase, you develop some games. Um, you know, what happens after that? Does, does that fade away or do you move on to other platforms or... Uh, you still talking about back in, the, in my yeah. childhood? <laughs> yeah, um, it did fade away. It faded away. A few years went by. At some, well, eventually, what happens? The TI 994A was uncool at some point. Uh, we actually bought it near the end of its life. Stuff like that's that was one of our problems all through through our lives is that we always jumped into this technology late. It was basically getting phased out when we first got it. So the support just even around the world, even though you know the internet wasn't around then and everything, but Still, like magazines weren't being written for it anymore, and so it it faded out. Then eventually got a Tandy One Thousand SX, and uh, we, then we got back into it. Okay, and that, you know. And um, so you got back into it. Uh, what? So what games were you doing on the Tandy then? That time. Uh, the Tandy was actually harder to program because yeah. uh, the TI actually once we got it, once we jumped into extended basic on the TI uh, it had sprites so you could actually move characters around without erasing the background uh, so that was that was pretty advanced stuff actually for the TI for the TI's hardware even to have at that point in time um, and the Tandy didn't have that you had it wasn't the Tandy wasn't a gaming machine, is what it came down to. So you really had to be more of an expert, which we weren't. But we still made games for it. They just, they just weren't as good. I, I guess in a way, like it was, it was hard to read in. Anybody who was a PC programmer back in the '80s remembers how hard it was to read an input without having like the character repeat rate on it and, and stuff like that. Okay. Um, yeah. 
so were you then so since it was harder did that um you know what did that get in the way yeah did Did that get in the way and definitely it did it did get in the way so and, did, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I don't know where I was going. So you can go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, what I was going to say is, if it got in the way, did you move on to another platform, or did you just pick up other activities then? Yeah, just basically school and life, other things, just growing up, all, just everything, yeah, just life itself. I, I could say got in the way, and a focus on doing well in school, focus on, and eventually we're in high school, and then the Tani 1000 became a very old machine, and we never really upgraded that, and then eventually, after high school, we moved on to college and university, still got a little bit of better PC machines, but we almost, our game programming was fading away, we did enter the demo scene at that point in time, and the demo scene was sort of like, uh, computer graphics uh, program, computer program graphics uh, uh, competition scene where it wasn't video games; it was just graphic displays of your programming excellence, kind of thing. We did enter, we entered into that, and you know, started drawing 3D graphics as realistic as we could and doing some pretty impressive effects that way. It all related to the same skill set to draw for the, that the lead program would need to draw the visuals in video games. So we, we always kind of stayed involved, but never we were never to the point that we wanted to be. Yeah, and, and you guys, did you guys ever have the idea of, hey, we're going to start our own little studio, maybe when you were seven or ten or whatever? They're just like, <laughs> dude, we could... <laughs> Not that early, honestly, and, and yeah. there's no thought of money or anything back then, but uh, we always wanted to do it. We actually just thought you couldn't do this stuff because it was always so frowned upon making a yeah. game. The, this is still blows my mind to this day that this happens, but making a game and playing a game were viewed as the same thing. Back <laughs> it was viewed as exactly the same thing. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds crazy, <laughs> but by everyone, just the society that surrounded me, it yeah. was just there was no appreciation for the difference between those two things. So we just wanted to do it. And we were left with the impression that this is probably not something you should be doing. And we kind of always fought it, but it, it always won. And then yeah. eventually, once we, compu- once we completed university, um, we actually then decided to try to start our own gaming studio, which wasn't Zona Games. Okay. And uh, that, that actually failed out. We didn't even complete a game. And then 10 years after that, it's about 10, I shouldn't say quite 10, but almost 10 years after that is when we started Zona Games. I'd say about seven years, really. And and what were some of the challenges? Uh, you know the game studio that you started right after university. Um, right. Was that just you and your brother, or was it some other friends, or, or how did? It was just Jason and I as well. We had one guy who was interested, and uh, he was he was going to be our graphics artist. And he went to he learned 3D Studio Max and 3D modeling and all that stuff. And our aspirations were just too high, honestly. Yeah. Well, what what games did you want to make at that point? Um, we we want to make a two-dimensional shoot 'em up game, similar oh, okay. to uh, well, somewhat similar to Duality ZF. Um, even though Duality ZF has now become something completely different, you can still on the internet find our design specs for that game. <laughs> it was it was way too huge, like for a startup company. Yeah, um, you know when when was the point where you realized that you guys were in over your heads, or I mean, what what do you feel? you could have done differently to actually have made that uh, a, a more fluid transition for, for the other smaller developers out there who might be just getting started right after school. Um, okay, right. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, it's easier today to do it. Um, back then, we didn't even uh, our, the computer equipment that we had didn't couldn't even run 3D Studio Max. It would it would crash. Um, we just we just didn't have the equipment. Nowadays, those wouldn't even be problems. Everybody's computer can run the software that they need to make games. No problem. As long as the game is a very very uh, as long as it's not too over ambitious, and that, and that's the one piece of advice I would give all everybody projects programming projects game projects take uh, like three times as long as what you think they will and even when you think you, you're taking into account that three times as long <laughs> part you're still underestimating by three times and so start small just get something out um and and, and that's a huge thing getting something completed is huge whether even if it's not your best possible game you have to somewhat swallow your pride that your first game is not going to be the best thing you're going to make it's not it's probably not even going to be well received by gamers you have to accept okay. these things and then just grow from there but start off getting stuff done is what i would say okay um yeah. so you you know, you left that studio behind, and then you decided to restart um, seven years later. What what inspired you to want to give it another try? Uh, the big thing was it was always in the back of our mind, so we're always kind of waiting for that perfect time to start. And here's the thing: there's never a perfect time to start. You'll just wait for the rest of your life. But the big thing that changed it was Microsoft's Dream Build Play competition. They had one in 2007 that we never heard of, and they had one again in 2008, which about five months before that, before it was due, we we did hear about that, and it and it took us about three months to prepare our lives and our work to to enter that. But we decided to enter it because we realized that. You know, we were almost scared that the days of two guys making a game were gone forever. We thought, like, you know, we could have done that on the Nintendo and Sega Genesis and whatnot. And we thought, now games are made by 50 people. We'll never, you know, that almost what the indie thing is all about, we thought was gone. Like, yeah. we didn't know if it was ever going to come back. But then here and there, you see these little indie guys coming up, and it's like, it's still around, but still, it wasn't, it didn't give us much confidence. But then when Microsoft started promoting indie development with this contest and with the with the announcement that they're going to open up Xbox Live indie games. It's called Community Games at that time. Uh, we just realized that it's it's bigger than we think, and and now is the perfect time for us to enter it. Um, yeah. So even before then, were you playing Xbox? I mean, were you seeing some of these indie companies, like indie flash game companies or um, Xbox Live indie companies? Um, you know, they were kind of yeah. making some progress. What? Did that even cross your mind, or did it just seem too alien to even? Consider? You know what we we were actually so far out of the gaming industry. That's why we never even heard of Dream to Play 2007. So, okay. our um, our what what can I call it? Our outlook on the gaming industry was about 10 years old. We were okay. because we hadn't stayed involved in it. We were we were I can't I can't I don't know what word to use. We were just old in our thoughts we just were not up to up to par up to speed with what was happening in the, in the, in the industry and so we were basically making decisions even mentally just uh, on incorrect facts you know and okay. uh 
So once we got back involved, and once we, it was, that's why it really was a big thing, that Dreamville play competition, because it made us realize it's not just some other indie guy like me saying, <laughs> saying that it's big. It's Microsoft, and they're, and they're make, letting us make games on their Xbox 360, which was unheard of, you know? <laughs> and they have these prizes, these $40,000 pr- top prizes on, in their contests. So a lot of that... Yeah, we can, just realized there would be continued support for it with that. Uh, can you talk about the Dream Build Play competition? What is it exactly? And um, how did you, you exactly hear about it? Uh, I think we heard about it just from a friend. Just, okay. just a friend who isn't a gaming all the time, and he just forwarded it to us. It was, it was an email I could have easily ignored, not being in the industry. Like, and uh, what Dream Build Play is, it's Microsoft's contest. Microsoft created in the XNA Game Studio tool set whatever you want to call it um they wanted to promote that promote developers using it and of course now you see with windows phone 7 you can actually make well you can make with xna you can make windows phone 7 games windows pc games and xbox 360 games so they were trying to promote all of that as well as you know the independent developer the spirit of all of it and uh everybody could enter except uh I guess non-indie guys shouldn't have been allowed to enter, but there was a few that were questionable, a few kind of questionable <laughs> entries. I, I think, technically speaking, you had to be below seven or below seven people or smaller. Your okay. your studio, yeah. Um. So you get this email, and um, you know, you could have ignored it, but for some reason, <laughs> it sparked your interest. Uh, what was so? What was the next step? And you said there were five months left, right? So that's right, five months left. And How, then, well, was did, did the competition? Was it like a like when was it announced? Was it was it announced a year beforehand? Was it announced seven months no, it's, beforehand? It's usually only announced months before, like that. Maybe okay. five months is probably as most you're going to get. So oh. usually the people winning are people already who are in the know of XNA and already making a game. Usually, okay. yeah. But it, it's still it's it. Uh, people know now. Like, well, man, there's been a 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. There's probably going to be 2011. You know, so people are definitely already preparing for the next one, which actually has just been announced. And I haven't looked to see when that due date is, but it's it's different every year. But so we just kind of when we enter, we just wherever we happen to be in whatever game we're working on, which usually is Duality ZF, we just enter it. So. Um, I don't know if I answered what. There's something else you asked. There oh yeah, yeah. Well, for that it. first competition, um, what? Uh, so you said you had to rearrange some stuff. Um, you know, what did you decide? Uh, did you, how did you go to your brother and say, "Hey, we need to enter this," and then how did you get something ready uh, in time for the deadline? Uh, th- that's what was hard about it. We were in the midst of another project. Um, we're we're always doing these entrepreneurial projects, and I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But we were in the midst of another one. Um, and I, so Jason and I talked about it uh, at least three times. The first time we talked about it, thought, yeah, we could probably, we were thinking we could win it. Is what, <laughs> awesome. Like, uh, yeah, it was, we were thinking we could win it. <laughs> and, uh, and then, uh, we thought, yeah, we could win it if we entered, but you know, we, other we have other things on the go. Well, now that we know it's there, we'll think about it when it's done. And the closer it got, then we had another meeting on it. Same thing. The third time. We're like, we need to do this. It was just, I, I couldn't let it go. I just could not yeah. let it go. I said, we need to do this. And then we decided, this is what, this is, was the difference. We decided just to take whatever time until the deadline, commit just that amount of time, and that's it. And then we would re-decide 
you know, at that point, whether we wanted to continue or not. So it was a very small commitment. Uh, then we had to kind of close down. You know, you kind of have to tie off loose ends with your other projects. Yeah. And just yeah. life itself. And that took a little bit of time. It took a month or two, probably at least that. So then all of a sudden we only had two months left. It was almost to the day, two months left, and we hadn't even used XNA or program for console before. <laughs> so needless to say, we started Duality ZF, and it didn't place in 2008. Well, how did you balance uh, the concept of, hey, you've got, you know, entrepreneurs are working on their own projects all the time, and then, you know, there are opportunities that come up. How do you balance putting that stuff on hold and then, you know, how, how do you reconcile saying, okay, I'm committed to this project I'm already doing with taking advantage of these new opportunities? Man, that is a hard question to answer, honestly. Well, I'm not even, I'm, I don't even know how. I think the only way we could have done it is by only committing that, that two months. Okay. Like when, we, when we went to start, even though we agreed a month or two before, we didn't need to actually start programming uh, once we had tied off that other project, we could have kept on the other project. So once we knew it was only a two-month commitment, full-time, okay. both of us, it made it a lot easier. We knew we were losing that, those two months, and that was it. And the potential payback, we will see in two months' time. Okay, so, and, so for other developers out there, maybe the concept of just, if you're going to try something new, give it a hard time deadline or time commitment, and then we yeah. evaluate after that. That could be, yeah. yeah. You could, tr okay. you could try, you know, try enter. And you know what? Uh, the deadline, the fact that we couldn't overextend that deadline was huge because one of our problems has always been um, deadlines. Uh, what happens with uh, the hobby? See, we're we're hobbyist programmers or hobbyist game programmers, and now we're trying to be business ones. And yeah. the difference between that is that the hobbyist can have an open-ended project, work on his game as long as he wants, you know, yeah. it's done when it's done. As you know, if that's just a side project, it's no big deal. So I think it would actually be a good thing. We actually found it was really great to have to enter a contest even though I can see how some people just can just say like, well, you know, whoever wins, it's just based on somebody else's judgment. It's not necessarily the best games that win. And that sure. often is true. It's not always the best games that win these contests because it's just a judgment call. Nobody knows how good the game's going to do yeah. until it's really re actually released. But uh, having the deadline is the point I'm trying to get at. Is Entering the contest means you have to have something ready for that deadline. And that's, that's a great... Uh, like quick uh, learning, I don't even know, like a first lesson for a game developer, I think. Okay. Um, so you you released, you submitted the game, you said it didn't place. What were your guys um, feeling at that point? Um, what was your opinion? Was it just like, well, this game stuff, I guess, isn't going to work out? Um, what? Um, we knew the game wasn't as good as we could have made it, so we still thought... <laughs> Maybe this is the, maybe it's good to have unrealistic expectations of yourself. <laughs> we yeah. still thought that we could make a way better game, but I, uh, I mean, in the end, we knew we could make a better game. Uh, we knew the game uh, just didn't show off what it really was supposed to be. And uh, at that point in time, it was only another two months before Microsoft was opening up the Xbox Live community games, which is now Xbox Live indie games. So it was only another two months commitment to say, let's just finish off this game in another two months, then we'll release it on the service, then we will reevaluate at that point in time. So it was another two month commitment. Okay. So, so, so the concept of setting up little time commitments and then reevaluating only after 
that time. So you're not during those two months, you are fully committed or you're committed to the point where, okay, you're going to keep doing it. But after that, then you can reevaluate and decide. That's right. Okay. That's right. And that just never ended. That cycle just never ended. Duality ZF was always uh, a month or two away from completion. And honestly, that is true. Just that after that month or two, we, we were, we, there's always something better just a month or two down the road. Then eventually, it was like the prospects of XBLA, like Xbox Live Arcade, even skipping the indie section completely. And then once we met with some Xbox Live Arcade publishers, a lot of them were interested, not not when I'm, by, by a lot. I mean, just having one interested was a huge thing for us, and we probably had five that were interested in us, which was I, which kind of blew us away. Yeah, and we th- and I liked the fact that you know, some of these Xbox Live Arcade games I wish were a little bit more of the old school nature, and so I was surprised that I could easily see some publishers just skipping over over such games, you know. Yeah. Um, can you talk about more in detail the game that um, you decided to pursue during this whole during the course of all this? Um, you know that you submitted to the contest and stuff like that. Just more details about the gameplay and what inspired it. Okay, okay, yeah, Duality ZF. Uh, well, basically, it's a four-player shoot 'em up game. Its overhead view would be very similar to Raiden, or Raiden, if you will, Raiden and Raiden Two. Um, uh, I guess there's Raiden 3 and Raiden, Raiden 4 that have come out on the PlayStation Xbox in the last few years that are uh, sort of remakes of those games. But basically, your old-school two-dimensional shoot 'em up our, our graphics are two-dimensional on purpose. We didn't want to do the 3D graphics inside the 2D game type thing. We wanted to stay away from that. And we wanted, wanted to basically make the, the most ultimate 2D shoot 'em up game <laughs> that we could make. It's almost like this yeah. game that's existed in our minds forever. <laughs> That's what we wanted to make. I will be clear that Duality ZF is not that game because that's like a an untouchable goal. I don't. I, it's sure. not even realistic to hit that. I think every shoot 'em up game, uh, the ultimate one is just almost every shoot 'em up game is slightly different. You know, from our type to Raiden to Thunder Force, they each have their own specialties i guess you can never really take everything that's great about all of them and put them into one game just you can't do a mix and match but um so duality zf probably could be thought of as a as the intensity that thunder force the thunder force series has mixed in with the the uh, perspective at least of, of ride and the overhead view um and then what we did we threw in dual play which is the which is the ability to control two fighters at the same time on on both thumbsticks, so we threw that in, and that's where the name duality actually comes from, and all four players can take advantage of that. So you can actually have eight fighters all independently controlled at the same time on the screen, and it's just pure, and it's <laughs> it's a very intense gameplay, and we we concentrated a lot on. Uh, on the gameplay itself, uh, we wanted to, we have a philosophy, we call it empower the player. We want to, we want, we want to empower the player, uh, give them everything they, give them the most, uh, almost as if it's like a, a tool that you give them that's a very powerful tool, and that's the fighter that you have, the ability to move it and dodge bullets, but then with that, give a very difficult challenge for that fighter to face. So you, so you have the ability to, to kick ass, but you also have the ability to get your ass kicked. And that, the balance of those two things 
uh, can really showcase some some skill level, and that's kind of what we're after. Okay. With and, all of our games. And while you're developing this, um, were you constantly playing it together? What you know? How did you go about making sure the gameplay was where you wanted it to be? Yeah, we were we were constantly played it like almost too much, maybe. Uh, just always played it, and we almost kind of got lost in just diving into all the different ideas that we had. Uh, that's another thing where you could jump back and give somebody advice on a startup. Is definitely they 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 always say to have a tech spec sheet or something yeah. to actually define your game. Uh, it is a good idea to to define it because there's a lot of games that you can kind of continually extend and add more to. Um, I try to keep it small and enclosed, like just stick to the the primary idea you have and make sure you nail that first before adding more onto it cuz we like Duality's F has six different game modes in it uh it has like the dual play control mode which is on top of the single fighter control mode and there's actually two other additional control modes um one is where you have two fighters that are linked together if you remember Galaga when one of your back in like in the early 80s when one of your ships gets captured and you can shoot that enemy down your ship gets brought back and he hooks on to, you have two ships hooked together. So we actually took that note and that idea, threw it in duality as well. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of playtesting to, to test all these different modes out. Yeah. Did you do any playtesting with other players while you're doing it? Or was it just mainly you and your brother playtesting Ma- first? Mainly just Jason and I. It was actually kind of hard to, to have even your friends playtest it to the ability that you need them to. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just... There's so much playtesting that can be done. It's 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 hard to bring on just friends to do that for you. Okay. Um. So you you're developing this. You're setting up two month timelines. Um. And what we'll do next time. Uh. This you know this ends the first session. Uh. The first okay. part of the interview. Uh. So for the listeners out there, next time we'll just go over how you turn this indie dream uh into a business that you know wins awards and gets on Xbox Live Arcade and stuff like that. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Thank you very much. Take care.